0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of X Knows All. I know it's been a couple of weeks since I've loaded any episode, and there's just been a lot going on in the month of February. I know I talk about this all the time, and I feel like kind of like a broken record. But I do work at a startup, and it is fucking chaotic—like the most chaotic work environment I think I've ever been in 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 my entire career um, working long hours, and I think, frankly, I'm just very exhausted by the time the weekend rolls around, and I'm really trying to set an intention of, like, what do I want this show to look like, how frequently do I want to commit to pushing episodes out, all that. Something else that happened to me during the month of February is, um, I think I've I've shared this, too, on my Instagram, but my grandmother on my father's side passed away, um, about five months ago, and, last week my maternal grandmother passed away so it's just been a really chaotic month honestly of being in and out of the hospitals and seeing my grandma just in really a lot of pain and you know I'm really really happy that she's you know finally at peace and no longer suffering and I think that also contributed to my lack of recording. I've just been very you know, I think emotionally and physically exhausted from both work and crazy hours and startup life, plus, you know, things with my grandma. So, um, you know, she was really fortunate to have lived a really long life. My grandmother that passed away five months ago, she lived to, she would have been 101 in the month after she passed away. So she was 100. And then my grandmother that passed away last week was 91. So, you know, they lived long, full lives, but, you know, death is just hard on families. So I'm sure many of you you know can relate whether it's a grandparent or, or anyone else death is just exhausting so I really appreciate you guys you know sticking around and still following me on instagram at x knows all and engaging with all my content over there because that's something that I'm still really keeping up with even during the hiatus of the podcast and you know, if you also want to listen to me, if I just happen to not load any podcast episodes, I'm also on Shannon Affluently Ford's Patreon every other week. So twice a month. And we basically cover mostly trending topics over there, but sometimes we'll do deep dives. Like we did a full deep dive of Kelly Teller, Miles Teller's uh, wife and Taylor Swift's new best friend. So you can always catch me over there. But this week I felt invigorated to jump back on the mic and talk about one of the best reality television shows I've watched in a very long time. I should preface that, the best reality dating show I've watched in a very long time, if not ever. And that is Love is Blind, if you haven't already looked at the title uh, description of the episode. But I have always said I consider myself a reality TV connoisseur. I've been watching The Bachelor I don't watch it anymore. I stopped watching almost four years ago, but I started watching The Bachelor when I was like in elementary school, like back in early 2000s. And I've watched like read a lot of other reality dating shows throughout my life, like Who Wants to Marry My Dad, Joe Millionaire, like all these cheesy reality shows. But it's really been like a niche interest of mine, not even just The Bachelor, but like other random dating shows. And When Love is Blind came out, in 2020, I just remember thinking this is like the best reality dating show I think I've ever seen. The premise of the show, the way that this experiment operates, it's it's incredible. It's so fascinating to watch. And I think, you know, for someone like me who was so obsessed with the Bachelor franchise from such an early age, like at age 12, and being such a diehard fan of it, It's no surprise, I think, like many of you, I'd be really curious to see, and I'll post a poll on my Instagram at xknowsall to see what what y'all's thoughts are on The Bachelor, but I really think there was a direct correlation to Love is Blind taking off and The Bachelor popularity dwindling down. And the reason I remember this vividly was because before the pandemic in 2020, I was living in San Francisco at the time with two roommates, and I remember Love is Blind first aired. It was either late 2019 or early 2020, but really close to like when San Francisco first shut down. And I remember everyone was saying, love is blind new, like this is basically like pandemic dating, dating through Zoom, whatever. And I remember that 2020 Clarentasia season, the Clacia season was the last season of The Bachelor that I watched. And I think it's very interesting to just point out the correlation between these two shows. So I feel like if you think back to four years ago in 2020, I feel as if consumers of pop culture, we were experiencing a lot of influencer fatigue, and I think especially from watching so many seasons seasons of The Bachelor, and I think honestly, Pilot Pete season really did it for me, they were hiring all these ex-beauty pageant queens, and these influencers, and 20-year-olds that were beautiful looking, and wanted to basically get on the show to get an Instagram following, and be a social media influencer, and be famous through the show, and it was really, you were basically guaranteed if you were bottom four of the lead, you would get to at least like at least 500k, if not a million, somewhere between that, between that range, depending on if it was a guy or a girl. And I just felt when The Bachelor was like really at its peak, people were getting very fatigued of just casting these influencers, these super young influencers. It's like, I really can't relate to someone because I remember like if I think of Jason Mesnick's season, for example, which was like 2008 or 2007, these people were very normal looking, worked normal jobs, really went on to the show to find love. And of course, the landscape of the show changes as social media changes as the way in which we interact changes as the way that we make money changes you know social media is going to change the landscape of every show especially reality shows but i think it we we really just hit a breaking point point. and I, me amongst many of my other friends who used to be obsessed with the franchise we just stopped watching we're like this is so stupid and why would we continue to watch the bachelor if we have something like love is blind that seems to be so much more relatable but also it seems like it's working Right. I mean, we see Lauren and Cameron and Amber Amber Marnette, and for example, from that first season that are still married to this day. Seemingly very happy, happy happy marriages. And I think that when season one was airing as well, I think they taped that in twenty nineteen or maybe even twenty eighteen, because it takes like a year, I think, after filming. I know for the current season, when I was watching other you know, some of the contestants TikToks and stuff, they were saying, you know, we filmed this last year. So I think from the time of filming to when it, filming of when it airs, it's like a year. So I think when the first cast of season one of Love is Blind first came onto the scene, they had no idea what they were really filming. And I think the lack of thirst really attracted a lot of people to watch this show. They're like, wow, these people are just normal. Not only are they normal looking, but they have normal jobs. They're not necessarily like super wealthy. It just felt relatable. And of course, I'm not. Pro- when I talk about non-thirsty people, I think the show has progressively gotten more thirsty as the show has gained popularity, like everything, right? But no season will be as motherfucking thirsty as the Seattle season. Do not get me started on those freaks and losers, okay? And if you don't remember the Seattle season, that was like Micah and Paul, I think was his name, Zach and Bliss, which do not fucking get me started on those two, okay? They trigger me in a way that no no other couple really has on Love Is Blind. There were Chelsea and Kwame and Tiffany and Brett who completely unproblematic love the both of those couples. But I think Seattle was like the one season I think where everyone, viewers of Love is Blind, were starting to feel like, okay, are we getting back to like a Bachelor thing where I think the show was at the height of its popularity. Everyone was like freaking out. Like there was a live reunion taping, remember, and then Netflix couldn't, couldn't figure their shit out because so many people were attempting to stream it live. And, you know, just, that was like when everyone was kind of getting fatigued, kind of like how we felt in The Bachelor in 2020. Like after Pilot Pete season, I was like, there's just too many thirsty people like Zach and Bliss on the show, a bunch of freaks and losers that I'm not really interested in watching anymore. And then after season four, I think that was season four. And then season five was the Houston season, which was Stacy and Izzy, was that his name? And I honestly can't, it was such an, oh yeah, um, Lydia and Milton. And that was just two couples that we were following the entire time. And then you had like that weird JP American flag, like far right, Storm the Capitol guy. That Houston season, it wasn't even that it was a thirsty crop of folks. It was just a bad season. And I don't know if that was because of, like, the minimal couples that we had on screen to watch. It just doesn't, wasn't very juicy. It didn't really feel that real and fun. So I really, my theory is that after the thirsty-ass Freaks and Losers season of season four with Zach and Bliss and Micah and Paul, and after, like, the complete shit show and Rainings Nightmare that was season five the houston season this season the producers were saying they were going to choose violence and they said you know what whoever applies to be on this season of love is blind based on their psych evaluation because they have to conduct a psych evaluation before they cast anyone anyone on the show they said we're gonna cast the most insane mentally unhinged not even the women it's the most mentally unhinged men you will ever see in your fucking life and i think that if anything what season six, the current season of Love is Blind, has taught me is that never date in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I definitely have listeners in Charlotte. I will be so curious. Please slide into my DMs. I'll be curious what the dating scene is like. Because if it's if this crop of men are reflective and representative of what it's like to date in Charlotte, North Carolina, never make me even vacation there. It's a scary bunch of people. It was interesting because I was on TikTok and Marshall from Love is Blind, the Seattle season with Jackie, remember when Jackie left him for that other guy, Josh, and um, he was famous for like all of his looks and like his eye rolls and stuff during the season. He made a TikTok about like why he's unsurprised that by the time that the couples, you know, first they're in the pods, then they're on vacation. This season they were in the Dominican Republic and then they moved back to their I love, this is why I also think Love is Blind works well. It's because they cast people in the same city. So distance is never a hurdle to making your relationship work, which I think is also like really, really critical to these dating shows being successful. But Marshall was explaining, you know, by the time that you get home from the pods, from the Dominican Republic, from your honeymoon vacation, you're still still filming, but it's at a part-time cadence. So rather than being in this fantasy land where you're basically in this black hole of a Paradise where you have no connection with your family or friends, no social media, no really connections via the outside world other than what you're talking to with your producer at the time. It feels very much like you're in a bubble because you literally are. And then by the time that you get home from your honeymoon's part of the show and into home, you're living in this shared condo. You guys are going back to work full time. You get your devices back. You have access to your friends and family. And you have everyone's opinions too. You also get another part of that is you get back, you have your device and you're able to follow all these people that could have, should have, would have been had you picked them in the pods, right? So it makes sense why everything starts to crumble during the at home season. And I can't even imagine really what a, like, what do I want to say? Like culture shock that is like when you go to a different country, I remember when I studied abroad in Rome and that's like not even a third world country in the slightest, but it's just so vastly different than what I was used to in the States. And I was also very young. I was like, oh, they don't have a dryer? Like, this is so crazy. Like, such a culture shock. Then it's like, it's almost like you're in a culture shock when you're coming back from these honeymoons in this bubble of only producers and your significant other and the other people on the show. You're back to, like, getting back on Zoom, talking with all your co-hers, talking with all your girlfriends, talking with all your guy friends, talking with your sister, talking with your brother. Like, it just becomes so normal and you're, like, taking a step back and thinking, wait a minute, can this person actually fit into my life? I, it just becomes honestly, a culture shock and a fuck of what I can imagine and based on what Marshall was describing. And I think what we can really admit through watching the show now for six seasons, love is certainly not blind. And I think the difference between couples that have been successful and have gotten married and had successful marriages post-show, the common denominator is always that they are attracted to their number one from the get right? And a few that come to mind that didn't work out because of physical appearance issues were, never forget, Jessica was 34, Mark was 26, and she was just not into Mark. She wanted like a hunky white guy. That's like in finance, and I'm pretty sure that's who she ended up marrying a couple years later after season one. Another couple that comes to mind is, of course, season two's Deep D and Shake, when he was like so mean about her appearance and was like, Deep D just is like reminds me of one of my Indian aunts which is like, oh my God, horrifying for a to listen to. Of course, Marshall and Jackie. Jackie wanted someone to like throw her around and be super like aggressive with her and sexual relations. And Marshall was like so gentle and she didn't like that. And I also don't think she was very attracted to Marshall. I think Marshall was way more attractive than Josh, but that's just my opinion. And of course, this season, we're seeing it glaringly now with Jimmy and Chelsea and just the disconnect between what he thought she was going to look like versus what she actually looks like. So let's get into the couples of season six. I'll go one by one. So I'll start with Johnny and Amy. Honestly, not much to say about this couple. I think they're probably the only couple. So let me remind you of all the couples right now. So there's Johnny and Amy, Clay and AD, Laura and Jeremy. I know it's Jeremy, but the way he spells his name is so fucked up. It's like Jeremy, Jeremy. Kenny and Brittany, who've broken up now on camera and Chelsea and Jimmy. So I'll just start by like the quick Johnny and Amy because I think of all these five couples, Johnny and Amy are most likely to succeed from this experiment. And I think obviously the thing on everyone's mind is the birth control thing. And Amy posted to her Instagram this week basically bringing up, you know, to add more color to the choice of them to not consummate the relationship. And she basically posted about how both her and Johnny grew up in very poor homes. They came from very low socioeconomic backgrounds, minimal means. And she basically said, you know, we were both on the same page and wanting to ensure that our kids would be brought into a home that was financially set to have children. So I think that's very responsible. I think that's like a very valid thing to say. I think a lot of people that have children, frankly, should not be having children simply because of the life that they're bringing their child into. And I think it's really, really responsible and very mature of them to look at it from this outlook of saying, listen, we want our kids to have everything. We want to be financially set fair. That in and of itself is a fair decision to not, I guess, to be more responsible. Maybe not to necessarily not have sex and go so far as to not have sex, but it's it's a valid concern, right? Amy also went to her Instagram stories to talk about not only did they think the socioeconomic thing was a huge decision maker in deciding to have children, but she also talks about how she has this rare genetic hereditary disorder. She didn't disclose exactly what the disorder was but she said essentially it affects blood vessels in her body and she had brought this up to johnny very early on in their dating experiment and she explained to him you know if we ever were to have kids their children would most likely carry this gene or condition which makes pregnancy the thought of having kids like very scary because she doesn't want to have her kids inherit this really scary rare genetic disorder that she holds and someone also asked like why why didn't you guys think about using condoms as a form of birth control And she responded, we don't really trust them and their efficacy. This to me, then you lose me here, okay? This to me feels very immature. It's almost giving high schoolers that are thinking about having sex for the first time and like, I had this, my roommate in college, she was so funny. She was very scared of having sex. And I remember she thought like that, this is like so graphic and I apologize, this is like very NSFW, but she basically said, you know, like there's this one guy, it's always like a story of someone, you know, who knows someone, right? This girl, this guy was like fingering her and he had a little bit of his sperm on his hands. And then she got pregnant from that, you know, like, it's like the most craziest, insane, very highly unlikely scenarios that you hear about. And then you're like, that could happen to me. That's what this condom thing is giving. It's like, Johnny, are you fourteen years old having sex for the first time, thinking that like a handjob could result in a, a pregnancy? It, it, it doesn't. Like, if if I were Amy, honestly, this would be a deal breaker for me. I would be like, if you're not willing to, if you're not gonna let me test drive the car before I buy the car, then I'm disinterested in continuing a relationship with you because I think sexual chemistry and all that is incredibly important. If you're not deciding to wait until marriage. And to me, I just think this is kind of a red flag. Overall, this couple, boring. I'll give them three stars because I think out of any of the couples, like I said, they're clearly the most solid and likely to make it down the altar and be married today. But I just think the way he views, like I think everything that they were they lost me when it came to the condoms thing. I get the the poor fear of being poor. I get like the genetic disorder, but the condom thing, shut up. Let's move on to clay and AD. I was incredibly triggered incredibly, incredibly triggered by the entire conversation in the pods that if AD were to gain weight, no, sorry, it wasn't even the pods, my mistake. They were talking in the honeymoon in the Dominican Republic when they were having drinks at the bar. She was saying, you know, I'm going to ultimately have kids. My body will change after kids. And he kept saying, nope, we're going to get your body right back into the gym to get it right. And it's like to say that, on camera when you know you are being filmed for hundreds of millions of people to watch you say this about a woman to her body something that's like a very complex issue why a lot of women get anxiety about having children because they don't know how their body is going to bounce back your body just drastically changes it's a very valid thing to feel insecure as a woman when your body changes let alone feeling insecure because your husband feels insecure about the way that your body has changed like it's not the last thing a woman wants to hear and that really pissed me off like when he said that I was like no I'm I ought honestly hate Clay. Like, I fucking hated him after he made that comment because I'm like, he'll never win me over. And I hate to say, I think Clay has kind of won me over despite all this gym talk. I think he seems quite introspective and honestly down for a good time. And I would say out of all the men on this experiment, I would probably be most likely to be friends with Clay. Do you know what I mean? Like, he just seems like he would be a nice, smart person to hang around with honestly the majority of these guys are not very smart you can just tell they're kind of like I don't know Johnny just seems a little bit like a giant baby maybe that's because his face is so round Jeremy is just you know I did appreciate I'll get to Jeremy in a second but I love how he I'm not judging him at all that he didn't go to college I actually love that he's very handy and he can like fix things I think that's like such a like an underrated skill that a lot of men do not have anymore as a millennial Kenny, don't even get me started. He's useless. And Jimmy's just a bro. So Clay just seems the most ambitious, the smartest, and just a fun hang. And I think surprisingly, yeah, like he's the only one I think I would actually be friends with in real life. I also want to go into the conversation that they had about with his mom and his sister when A.D. was saying, you know, Clay, you work, you commute a lot of your days. You're always on the road. And I understand there's two days out of the week that you wish to sleep away from our shared home because it's closer to like your commute the next day. And honestly, I really see both sides of where they're coming from. She's saying, you know, my hours are super late at night. Your hours are more traditional. Yeah, like you work more of a nine to five. I'm more of like a, f- like a 5 p.m. to like 6 a.m. girl, right? Because she works like bottle service and all that. So I get why she was saying we have minimal time to engage with one another. Like I would like you to sleep at home every night so we get that time. That's totally valid. I also think it's incredibly valid for Clay as well to be like, listen, I don't want to have to drive two hours back home only to get up four hours later and have to drive back another like an additional two hours than I would have if I had just stayed overnight to the place I already was the night before. Like, I think that what they're both saying makes a lot of sense. And I think neither one is right or wrong. I think it's just going to have to come with some compromise of like what makes sense for the both of them. And maybe that's getting, like, a second home that's make, that's in between or something. I don't know what that means. It seems like Clay does very well for himself and maybe they can save enough to where in the future they can buy maybe, like, a commuter, like, apartment or something small. I don't know. But I think that they're both valid in their concern and I also thought it was just kind of weird. All that said, I think it was very weird that they were arguing about this in front of his family. And I didn't really love, and I guess I get, like, the way that this show was edited, there was footage over days, right? And we get, like, less than a 10 minute segment, probably less than seven minute segment about how this conversation goes. And this, you know, they can take and Frank bite certain parts of conversations to make it seem like the conversation is happening one way when in fact the conversation didn't go that way. Like I'm out of anyone, I'm very aware of how reality television editing works. And I think, you know, maybe his mom, there's a lot more to this conversation, but I didn't like how his mom was insinuating that AD because of the line of work that she's in. Because she's like a VIP club manager and she does bottle service and whatever. The mom was kind of insinuating like AD was twiddling her thumbs like all day while Clay just went out and worked and provided for her. Because I think it sounds like she really does have big ambitions and dreams. And she was talking about how she wants to be a landlord and how she wants to have various properties. She wants to be like a real estate investor. I think that's like a great thing. And again, I think a lot of people our age don't really do that these days. Um, I think that's like such a good way to make really good money. And I like that she has this plan for herself. And of course, maybe it's not happening right now, but it sounds like she's working her way towards that goal. Like she has a real estate license, you know, she works in that field. So it just sounds like she has a plan, but it felt like, even though that's not her current reality, you know, she's still working through it, but it made it seem like the mom was kind of talking down to her. Like, well, what would you be doing all day? while Clay's out, you know, out in the field working hard. It just, it didn't, it didn't sit well, sit well with me for the mom and, and Clay's sister. But again, I don't know what's happening outside of these like really tiny bites of the conversation. Maybe like they got to some kind of agreement and it didn't come off as condescending as it did. But at face value, it just made me feel very uncomfortable for AD. I, I just love, another thing I want to caveat is I love how the producers are editing this season. Like when Clay was stacking the plates and they play that like kind of elevator weird ass music and the way that AD's eyes were shifting back and forth to when Clay was stacking the plates when they were in the DR and it's just they're so funny this season like the way that the editors are making the show is just i'm i find myself cackling when they're when they're doing when i'm watching the show i like actually laughing audibly loudly and i wonder if everyone else feels that way it's just so funny it gets giving like bravo editing cuz bravo the reason i love it is cuz they're so funny with the way they edit and it just I don't know it's its bringing me a lot of joy I think this is probably a large reason why I'm also enjoying the season but I think one other thing I want to quickly say about Clay is I think he out of any of the men or is very introspective and I think he has a, a healthy amount of self self-awareness and kind of the communication skills to verbalize that to AD I think like he articulated his, his fear about not being good enough and he said you know I'm fearful that I'm going to let you down due to the unhealthy relationships that I witnessed between my my dad and my mom when I was a kid. Like it just shows me he has a a healthy amount of self-reflection and I think it's very rare honestly for men to have this kind of self-reflection and frankly out of all the men that I'm watching on the show no one else has exhibited this kind of self-awareness than they have than as much as Clay. And I think when he expresses all this, his fears and his anxieties and his not enoughness or his feeling of not enoughness, it kind of feels like AD's not really seeing him. She kind of always just goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like verbalize what, don't just say, don't say yes. Like, what else do you feel about this? He's opening his heart out to you. He's talking about his like fucked up family dynamic. Give him more, you know? Okay, next couple, Laura and Jerami okay they make me very sad because I feel like they were the most solid couple out of everyone and I, I really liked based on what was showed to us in the Dominican Republic it seemed like they were very very solid and I I think after that whole bean dip thing happened which honestly I'm still very unclear about like what exactly happened with that I wasn't really paying attention but it seemed like after that night when he slept on the couch and she was like you know you didn't even talk to me that night you made me sleep in bed alone and then they had that conversation on, like, the pier. And he they had a very healthy communication style of articulating what happened. Why did we let it get to that point? What are we going to do such that we're no longer going to get to that point in the future? It felt amazing. I was like, wow, this couple really knows how to communicate. I think their end game. Then what a fucking loser he is. What a fucking loser. Honestly, he thinks, like, you know he he looks at himself in the mirror it told me everything I needed to know when he was like, I have a home gym and I, you know, I work out here even in the winter. It's like, your body doesn't even really show it. Like, to me, you're like a very scrawny, scrawny kid. Like, okay, I guess he has a kind of bigger muscles on his arms. But like, nothing about him screams like, you're the hottest man known to mankind. But I really think he thinks about himself like that. Because what a fucking loser he was about what he did to Laura with Sarah Ann. And what was interesting is, of course, I read on Reddit, on the Love is Blind Netflix Reddit, subreddit, that apparently... Jeremy has an Apple watch, right? So I guess he very duplicitously left his iPhone in his car, like, glove compartment so that Laura, knowing that she had his location because he shared it earlier that day, would think, oh, he really was in the parking lot, like he said, because he was confident that entire time. We were in the parking lot of Lost and Found. We were in the parking lot of Lost and Found. He kept saying that so confidently. And he wouldn't have said that if he knew she could fact check that, right? But what people were saying is if you have an Apple watch – and an iphone and let's say your phone is further enough of a distance from your watch Find my friends will then start tracking your apple watch but i guess jeremy didn't know about this so he thought oh let me leave my iphone in my car so that she thinks i'm truly telling the truth about being in the parking lot at lost and found this entire time when in fact he went to sarah ann's house that to me is a disgusting scary ass liar like if you went through all that trouble to think how can i duplicate like really confused Laura and gaslight her into thinking that this actually happened when it didn't. Let me leave my phone in my car. That to me is a scary ass individual. Women stay away. And then, you know, a bit of a spoiler if you don't want to listen, maybe just fast forward like one minute, but Sarah's with him. People went on her Instagram highlights and there's one highlight, I can't remember it, I apologize, but there's one highlight where she's in a bedroom taking a selfie in like a full-length mirror and people uh, track that as Jeremy's bedroom that he showed on the show. It's just disgusting behavior. And honestly, I think I'm seeing a lot of like rhetoric online. Like Laura's mean. She doesn't seem like a nice girl. I think that out of any of the girlies, I would definitely be friends with Laura. Out of any of them. Um, she just seems like my kind of girl. Like she she can tell she's smart. I was dying when they were asking, like, how big is him? And she was like, I have employees. Like she just, she's just like, she's, she's just one of us. I always say that about like girlies I like when I'm like with my friends. I'm like, do we like her? Yeah. She's one of us. Like Laura's one of us. Do you know what I mean? And I'm willing to bet if you are a know it all, you would also agree that Laura is one of us. I also think it was just brilliant how she made Jeremy think that she was buying the entire conversation that he was, in fact, in the parking lot that entire time, only to gaslight him at the very end and be like, I had your location, you're in Uptown, why are you lying to me? Like, she made him look like such a fool, and that just tells you she's a smart woman. She made him look like such a fool on camera for him to just spout out this disgusting lie with such confidence and arrogance, only to realize, oh shit, she had, she had me right all along. Like, I just love that for her, and I don't care what anyone says, she might be a mean girl, but I will be friends with her. Maybe that makes me mean. So be it. Okay. The next couple I want to talk about. Kenny and Brittany. And you know, I always say I have the best intuition. This is where my intuition was dead wrong. Okay. I was like, Kenny King. Complete King. I think something really shifted in Kenny after he had had that conversation in AD in the Dominican Republic about whether Brittany was comfortable raising black children. And I, I want to be very clear, like, that is such a good question. And I think what the conversations they had on camera, no matter what resulted in that conversation after the fact, was super important. I think it was something I didn't really think about, not being a black person. Like, what would that feel like as a black person, knowing all the hurdles and obstacles black people in America have to go about life? Do we think the person that we are marrying is willing and apt to handle that? I think it was like an incredibly important and eye-opening question that I'm glad that they discussed on camera. Now, with that being said, I think that is the reason why Kenny started becoming uncomfortable with Britney, because it seemed like he was completely warmed up to her up until that point, that night where they met all the couples for the first time. And it felt like he like a switch had turned and he was like, actually, Britney's not apt to take care of black children. And to me, it's like going on a dating show like Love is Blind, especially knowing that it is a blind experiment, And again, maybe this is me not having gone through it and I know it's very unique, but if that is important to you, like if you have certain values, like for example, let's just say I'm super religious. I'm not, but like, let's just say I'm like a Christian woman and I really want to find someone with like the same faith. To me, that would be a non-negotiable to me going into the pods or like political beliefs. Like if you lean one way or another, I'd assume maybe you'd want someone who has similar values as you. And to me, it kind of is like the same thing but even more pervasive and more important of race, right? So it kind of makes me think like, Kenny, you kind of knew what you were doing when you proposed to Brittany knowing she was not a black woman. So it tells me that he didn't really give it a lot of thought and he kind of strung Brittany along and wasted her time, honestly. If he was really, really hellbent on ensuring that his woman was going to be black like him, I hoped that he would have like only directed his attention towards that. But then again, I guess that kind of defeats the whole purpose of the experiment in and of itself. It's like trying to see if love is in fact blind. So I don't know. This is a very complex issue that I'm certainly not smart enough to have. But it it just bothered me how the entire time towards the ending of their relationship, it just felt like Kenny was gaslighting Brittany. And he kept saying, you know, I'm cool. No, I'm cool. I'm fine. If you feel like you don't crave me, that's a you thing. It's like, "No, no, 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 Kenny. That's not what she's saying. She's saying that you have shown absolutely zero interest in her since you guys got out of the pods and she's telling you that she's not craving you because she doesn't feel craved by you to begin with. Like she likes you. You just are not reciprocating that. And it just felt like he was trying to turn on her. Like, I think he really thought he was doing something by making it seem like it was her problem, not his. It's like, why don't, why can't you just be man enough to say, listen, I don't think this is working. And I think the racing is playing more of a factor than it is that I'm like, than I ever gave credit for. If he had just admitted that, I don't think he would be getting so shit on on the internet. But the fact that he keeps gaslighting her into thinking that she's the reason why they're ending and it's not him. And he's actually truly not interested. It's like, you need to take accountability for that. You're the one that's pulling away. So give her a reason. Like, make her feel less crazy. Right? For not wanting to be with you because you're not into her. Clearly. (sighs) Okay. Last couple. Chelsea and Jimmy. This is obviously the most controversial couple to date and there's so much to say. Let's just say the reveal. Obje- Chelsea objectively shot herself in the foot by comparing herself to one of the most, the sexiest women alive, right? Megan Fox. There's truly nowhere to go but down when you set the expectation in the bar that high. And I think that honestly, <laughs> to be very honest, J- Jimmy is very triggering for me in many ways and I'll, let me name why. He's still very young. I think he's 27, max 28 when the show was being shot. So he's just, you can tell he's hes not very smart. I don't think he, I don't think like book-wise, he's not a very smart person. He's also not very emotionally mature. So it's kind of a double whammy for me. And I don't think this makes him a bad guy at all. In fact, I think out of many of the men on the show, he's actually one of the least problematic. It's just that he's not very smart and he's not very immature. I think that's really what it comes down to. Um, I think he does his absolute best in trying to articulate his feelings for Chelsea and validate her to the best of his ability to the you know I think he's I, I think he's putting forth his maximum effort but the way that he expresses love will never be enough for Chelsea in the way that she needs to receive love and I think it's not necessarily that he's a bad guy I just don't think they're a qual like they're a good uh, whatever they're not a good match I think another thing is just he kind of just reminds me of everyone like that I used to date and just like These men that I dated in my late 20s when I lived in San Francisco, like, vibes were very similar. Like, he's kind of one of those guys that posts, like, Saturdays are for the boys and, like, mentioning Barstool Sports and, like, Dave Portnoy and commenting on, like, Dave Portnoy's pizza reviews. Like, that is Jimmy. If you go to his Instagram, it's all of him and his boys, like, traveling the world, like, traveling the nation to see, like, every baseball stadium, every football stadium. Like, no. Like, No. Again, not a bad guy. He's just triggering because he reminds me of so many guys I dated in my late 20s in San Francisco and just like the emotional immaturity is like very triggering for me. But again, not a bad guy. Don't think he's mean. Just not smart enough. (laughs) Now for Chelsea, I see a lot of people giving her shit. They say she's insecure. She needs so much validation. Why did she even go on this show? Because, you know, she's clearly not emotionally mature enough to handle this kind of experiment. And I think, yes, while all that is true... I have such a soft spot for Chelsea. Genuinely, I really empathize with her because if that were me in her position and I had to see every day when I opened my phone, people making fun of my appearance, posting that meme of Jimmy reacting to her when he sees her for the first time. In fact, Jimmy even posted this story, I remember, when the reveal, the first batch of episodes came out of him kind of sitting cross-legged, looking very like meek and timid. And it was like when the, when the boys are roasting you, and it's clearly like that was in response to Jimmy choosing Chelsea over Jessica, who like is beautiful. It's just like things like that. If I were to see that in Ira Chelsea, I would be like, wow, I really am ugly. And she's not even ugly. She's a very normal looking cute girl. She's not as attractive objectively as Jess, but I think that, you know, a lot of women in the pod speak very highly highly of her. And I, I'm always very wary of people that don't have friends in the pods. But it seems like Chelsea is very well liked. People have a lot of good things to say about her. I don't think she's a bad person. I don't think she's ugly. I just hate all the rhetoric that I'm seeing online about her appearance. Because that would literally kill me. Like, say what, like, it really bothers me when people on Reddit will talk about me saying I'm mean, saying I'm privileged, all these things, but, like, it really hurts my feelings when people talk about my voice because I can't help my voice, you know? And that's, like, a very small part of my physical being, right? But, like, if you, someone were on Reddit were to go off on me about how I look and things that, like, trust me, I have to look at myself every day in the mirror. I know I'm not Gigi Hadid, okay? <laughs> like, you don't have to remind me. Like, it, but then having the entire world have something to say about you, like, if I experience, like, literally half a quarter of a grain of salt of what Chelsea is is experimenting experiencing like I would I would not be well like you would have to put me into a mental institution so I just really I really like hope people are kinder about her because I don't think she means ill intent I think she's just a very insecure woman and let me really quickly just talk about that fight um when Chelsea after Jimmy had met her friends and she goes, you know, you didn't tell me that you loved me all day. You didn't kiss me all day. And he goes, what are you talking about? I kissed you in the bathroom. I was kissing you on the cheek when your friends were here. I loved meeting your friends, like saying all these things, trying to validate Chelsea. And then she gets mad because he called her clingy, right? And then she goes, you called me clingy. She goes, after I watched your stupid show with you, after I cooked you dinner, and then you had sex with me. And then, oh my God, when I heard this part of the show, I had to pause it because I, like, couldn't. I was, like, hyperventilating for Chelsea. Because then he goes, well, with the sex thing, I'll need a breather from that too. Um, sorry. If someone said that to me in private, I'll be mortified. Then you put that together with, you say, your man is telling you that he needs a breather from sex from you in front of the entire world, in front of your coworkers, in front of your cousins, in front of your family. Goodbye. You will never see me again. I would literally pay the producers big bucks so that they don't they don't air that part of the episode. I was mortified for her. I've never seen something so embarrassing, honestly, on TV. It felt it felt so voyeuristic. Like I shouldn't have been watching that scene. Like it was juicy as hell, and I was like, oh my god, calling all my friends, being like, we need to talk about that scene. Oh my god, what did fuck? But like, I felt very voyeuristic and wrong having to see him say that to her. And I don't think he intended it in the way that it came across. Like I think he was basically trying to say, "Don't make me out, to, don't paint me out to be the bad guy because we had sex. Like you initiated the sex, therefore we had sex." But th- it it just felt, oh my god, that's like the biggest thing you could bring out in a woman is like being insecure about like when she comes on to you. It's like very, that to me is triggering. Like I could, I don't like that. And really quickly, there's all these previews about you fucked her. You know Chelsea yelling that to Jimmy, you fucked her, and everyone obviously thinks that it's he's that she's talking and referring about Jessica. You are a junior player of reality television if you think that she is talking about Jessica. That will be way too easy. They, I am convinced that she is talking about one of the friends that they met, that Barbara and that other girl that Jimmy introduced Chelsea to. People are also having a lot of concerns about why Jimmy only introduced him to female friends. And I think a lot of it is because his boys, maybe he was like, okay, this is so bad. Maybe Jimmy was like, I don't like the way Chelsea necessarily looks and I don't think I'll be able to handle my boys roasting me on camera if they see how she looks. So let me just bring my girlfriends and see what they think of her. But like girls are also way worse than boys, way meaner. And that Barbara girl that Je- that Jimmy introduced Chelsea to gave me bad vibes. Like she just looked really mean. And I feel like Chelsea is confronting Jimmy about fucking one of those two girls. And I'm thinking it's going to be the darker haired girl, Barbara. But yeah, if you think he, Chelsea was referring to Jessica in the preview, you were a junior-ass player, okay? Come on. I've been watching reality TV for decades. That is not what it is, I promise you. But yeah, I'm curious what you guys think of this season of Love is Blind. It's incredible. I cannot wait for the season premiere and for the reunion and all of that. And I'm gonna really stick by it. I think Johnny, I don't know any spoilers. I have no idea who actually is still a couple versus who's not. But I think Johnny and Amy um, are the only ones that actually ended you know, leave together, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. It's so good to be back on the mic with you guys. If you haven't already done so, please follow me on Xnos uh, on Instagram at Xnosall. and I will see you on the next one. Bye.